All right, the Pet Chat team is here. Uh, Dr. Fiat, I haven't seen you for a while. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. And Cheryl Shaw, haven't seen you ages either. No, we've been off, haven't we? Yeah, different people away at different times. But we have to kick off at Cheryl Shaw Brosch Watch. (laughs) Struggling with that word. Now, this is a pretty easy one today. A picture of a dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, with the cone of shame. Why are we doing that cone of shame today? (laughs) I just thought it was a great topic to talk about because many of our pets do have to wear a cone. Uh, It might be because they've injured themselves or they're chewing themselves or over-grooming, so I thought we'd talk about that. Could you imagine if we had to wear that if we weren't supposed to do something? (laughs) They're quite effective when used properly. (laughs) I imagine they would be. (laughs) All right, uh, the cone of shame with the Pet Chat team today and... Dr. Fiona is here, as is Cheryl Shaw, and for once I actually was able to connect the badge that you're wearing, the dog with that um, cone of shame. Yeah, the Elizabethan mm. collar. Oh, that's a little bit more of a la-di-da term for it, isn't it? Well, that's its correct title, but yeah. it, they get called a lot of things, but you're quite <laughs> right in the cone of shame is one. But the reason it was called the Elizabethan collar originally was because it comes, you know, the, in the Elizabethan times they used to wear a lot of ruffles around their, their frills, so they mm-hmm. stood out, so that's what the cone does. It stands out. None of them had quite the same level of elegance as there. That's no. the Elizabethan. <laughs> and the thing is, when we do look at that cone of, of shame, shame on mm. the pet. We often feel really sorry for the pet. You know, our heart goes out, oh, poor thing. But you've got to remember, it's on for a reason. Now, often Absolutely. people do feel, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take it off. Now, this actually happened with my husband when my dog got dissexed. He felt sorry and he rang me and said, oh, you know, he looks really miserable. I think I'll take it off. And I said, no, 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 don't, mm. don't take it off. He took it off and whilst he said he was watching, obviously wasn't, (laughs) the dog undid all of the stitches from his dissexing. So that was a really bad thing. Oh, I felt that pain. Yeah, back to the vets (laughs) and that cone stayed on then for the next 10 days. So you do need to make sure that if the cone is on, it's on for a reason. Now, often the pets have to wear them and both cats and dogs and even birds can sometimes wear them as well. So what happens? If the cone is on, it's usually on to prevent the the pet from chewing at itself. Now, it could be that it's had a surgery and it's got stitches. It could be that it's got a hot spot, something like this. It could also be that it's plucking its feathers or if it's a cat, it might be over grooming itself. So there's a whole range of reasons why the cat or the dog or the bird is wearing them. So it's up to the owner though to make sure that that it's safe for the pet. Now if a dog is going into a crate to go to bed, you've got to make sure that the dog can actually get into that crate with the cone on because the dog has changed vision. (laughs) It has changed hearing. But also the dimensions of where it could normally fit, it no longer may be able to go there. So that's the first thing, making sure that the dog, if it's going into a crate, can get there. Also that it's able to get through, and the poor thing, sometimes they go through a doorway and they hit their head and they hit onto walls. So you really do have to guide them a little bit in those first early days. I often, sorry, Cheryl, I want to jump in. I often say to people it's 24, 48 hours for the dog to relearn things. Yes. Um, And, yeah, because, as you say, they're used to their head being a certain diameter and suddenly their head's five times wider Mm. and... If you've got an anxious dog, that can really sort of shake them up a bit. So yes. the question, taking it slow and The steady. question I have here, now we know that um, Cheryl's better half decided to rip the collar off and mm. then all that other damage. How often do you suspect, Fiona, that you've had situations where people have 
gone ahead of their advice from their vet and done that and caused other problems? Multiple times a day, Mark. So this is a thing quite this often. This is an absolute thing, yeah. So we, as Cheryl said, there's always a reason that we have an animal wearing a buster collar or bucket collar, Elizabethan collar, collar what you want. Um, and there's a reason we say leave it on. Mm. And the number of times, all all the time, people come back and say, oh, I took it off, he was uncomfortable, or I took I it off. See, and, I wasn't expecting yeah. that answer. I oh, thought you absolutely. would say, oh, yeah, once or twice maybe. No, but, absolutely. No, because there's that physical having it on the pet, but mm. there's that psychological thing yeah. for both the owner and the pet. You know, the pet's feeling pretty miserable having it on, but the owner's looking at it going, oh, poor thing, poor thing. Mm. So it's one of those no-nos, you've got to keep it on. There's a reason it's there. Absolutely. But you also need to make sure that the collar is fitting properly, you know, saying about getting in and out of things, but also that the collar can't slip off and that the pet can't access the area that it's you're trying to prevent it Absolutely. from chewing. So sometimes... Like stitches from a dissexing <laughs> for exercise, for example. <laughs> well, let's go on to a hot spot now. So if there's a hot spot they're not supposed to be chewing at and they can get to it, the, co- the cone isn't doing anything. There's other things too that sometimes like with cats, the cats will be over-grooming themselves mm. because they're stressed. So sometimes you have to put that collar on just to make sure that the cat isn't, you know licking, licking, licking and doing too much licking. Another thing is their food. We need to make sure that the pets can get to their food and water bowls because sometimes those cones prevent them from getting their head down into their bowl. (laughs) True. So you need to lift or raise those bowls up on something so that they can actually get to eat their food. So it's one of those things that you just don't really, you know, think about. You think, oh, yeah, I've put the pet's food down and then the pet can't access it. It's, you know, the cone sitting up and it can't get its tongue down to get get to the water or to the food. Either that or you're spoon feeding it, just <laughs> shoveling it in the cone. Look, that happens as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's sometimes too, if you've got um, some pets, when as soon as you put the cone on, they go like a statue. They freeze. Mm-hmm. They don't want to move. They, mm-hmm. This is like, what have you done to me? I'm not going anywhere. And often if there's multiple pets in the home, normally if they played and got on, they're just not going to interact with each other because one will think, mm, you look a bit strange or the other one might be feeling pretty unwell and not wanting to interact anyway. But you do need to make sure that if your dog or cat is seeming um, stressed or anxious about things with wearing the cone, get in contact with your vet. It's really worth just making sure that things are going along okay and that it's, you know, it's sort of one of those things that isn't being too, you know, stressful. And absolutely on that note, you know, we're, we're always there at the end of the phone. You know, if people are struggling or not sure what to do, there are lots of other options available that don't involve removing the collar. So can there be unintended consequences psychologically for the pet if they just can they just be that psyched out by this change that it causes some maybe longer issues? Uh, what I would probably say is often the owners take on more of an emotional concern than the pet. It's like any new scenario or anything new, the pet's going to be like, mm, I don't like this. Mm. But, you know, with training and persistence and guidance and, you know, rewards, they'll get there. Yeah. But if if they only have the collar on for six hours and then the owners feel sorry for them and then the collar comes off, well, that doesn't really help moving forward. But, you know, there is another thing that some people use for desexing now, Mark, and you've probably mm. not heard of this one. I probably the... definitely haven't heard of this one. <laughs> this is you the lost ones... me back. It, it ripped its stitches out, okay? Okay. <laughs> Rightio. Well, this is called the onesie. It's a little onesie outfit that the pet puts on. 
Oh, I can so see then, that. So yeah. then there's no of that factor of, oh, poor thing with a cone on, I'm not going to take it off. So the onesie works quite well. The pet can't get to where the sutures are, can't lick that space, and so they're, they're a really good option. The other thing is when they are wearing a cone, Make sure that the cone is um, not brittle in any way. Some of the really hard plastic ones, they can create problems in cutting in and particularly rubbing on some of the pet's necks. So you do need to be watching that there's no irritation from the cone as well because mm. then you've got an, another issue ha coming forward. Um, and, yeah, just making sure that, you know, the anxiety and the stress of the cone is, um, is looked at carefully. Yeah, that's probably another point too, Cheryl, to make sure that uh, to keep checking with the areas where the cone is coming into contact with the dog, I suppose, to make sure there's no nasties yeah. building up there. Well, they certainly can get some irritation. You know, mm. some of those are quite rigid and some are, some, um, some are quite soft. You can actually get inflatable cones as well now, which are great, and so they're nice and soft, a lot more comfortable. Um, but the rigid ones can create an issue on their necks. Still like the idea of the onesie, though. The, your, your animal, while whilst repairing itself, can be fashionable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cheryl Shaw is here wearing her cone of shame, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no one doing any uh, dissexing over there for you, Cheryl. You're, no. sort of... <laughs> You're not going to let this go, no, are you? No, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> um, the best part is that you actually would have, you would have really given your husband like a, a Good going over for that, wouldn't you, taking the dog cone off? Can you believe that would happen? Like, goodness <laughs> me, just keep no. those cones on. Butter wouldn't melt, Cheryl. And no. also Dr Fiona is here who has brought to our attention there's a the ticks seem to be back a little early. Yes. Uh, look, September in our heads is always the start of tick season, but um, there's certainly around, there's been a few cases diagnosed of tick paralysis in Newcastle in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, make sure dogs and cats, whether they're inside or outside, are treated for with a tick preventative, definitely. And uh, what precisely are we looking out for just in case we think, oh, hang on, our pets are out and about a little bit? What are we looking for there? The signs of tick paralysis? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, often it's weakness in the back legs, so they might look a little bit drunk as they're walking along. But with cats, often it's not the weakness that you notice, it's that they're not jumping up and down or they can't jump up on something. So that's often a sign of weakness in the back legs. Um, change in voice, change in meow, change in bark, struggling to swallow water or coughing a lot if they're swallowing or eating. Um, at this time of year, pretty much any non-specific sign can be tick mm. paralysis. So prevention is definitely the best way to go about it. Is your pet behaving differently? Could be ticks. Pretty, pretty much. much. Mm. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's lots of options available. Um, there's chewables, tablets, spot-ons. Um, but, yeah, if in doubt, speak to your um, speak to your vet or, um, yeah. But, yeah, prevention is better than a cure because tick paralysis is Tick paralysis is A, very expensive, and B, deadly. All right, a couple of things to look out there for a little a bit earlier in the season. Pet Chat, Cheryl Shaw and Dr Fiona. And uh, gang, for those who may want to add an extra family member to the, their household, we have a dog and a cat, but we'll, we'll get into the dog first. What do you all reckon about the three-year-old mini fox terrier by the, goes by the name of Reggie? Reggie looks very full of energy. It's a high energy pet, yes. isn't he? But uh, yeah, for for the right family, I think you know a family with older kids, um, family who does lots of outside activities and is lot very active and interested in spending a lot of time with their pet and training. 
putting a bit more training into Reggie. He's only three, um, so lots of opportunity left to become a really great family member. Yeah, and again, uh, for the family that is going to be able to be you know, with him to doing all of the activities so he doesn't get bored, I guess. But some of the basics as well, um, not fussy with food, so there'll be no problems there. Um, sleeps in the lounge room in his own little playpen all night long, so he's not going to be up with, with dog barks overnight, you would Excellent. think. Um, but he's been an outside dog for his entire three years, so he's still just learning about toilet training, but apparently he's getting there at the moment. So generally a little bit later to do the toilet training, but uh, Cheryl, if he's if he's coming on board with it, you might be okay here. Uh, yep, he'll be fine. Right person. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for that. <laughs> That's all right. He's going to find a home pretty – he's pretty cute. He'll find Richard. a home perfect, pretty quickly. Yeah, perfect yep. for running around the backyard and also curling up on your lap, I'd say. Um, the only other things here, obviously you need that secure yard. No kitties under eight and still hasn't uh, been tested with – Kitty cats. So if you've got a cat yeah, as well, it might no. be worth uh, passing. Um, all right. So we've we've done the dog of the week. Yeah, we have a a cat of the week for you as well. And what do you reckon, ladies? Uh, Shelley, the tortoiseshell cat. She looks pretty good. She looks so cute. She does. And reading actually reading it, the blurb about her, she sounds like a really interactive cat. Um, you know, will seek out people. Will want to spend time with you. Um, yeah, no, I reckon she's my type of cat. I, I love this line here. At four years old, she has already established herself as a prominent member of the human family. <laughs> that's a cat for you. Yeah, that's. have you seen cats? <laughs> that's kind of how they were. Um, but uh, is a very vocal cat and, and friendly as well, which uh, you've got to take that with a – sometimes you, you get cats that aren't friendly but some that are, so that's pretty good. And uh, loves a bit of playtime. So, you know, she yeah. sounds like a, a, a valued but robust member of the family. Yeah, she certainly yes. ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't mm, she? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, if you'd like to learn a bit more about Shelley the Cat or indeed our Dog of the Week, uh, which was Reggie, the three-year-old mini foxy, uh, you can head up to our Pet Chat page at 2NURFM.com.au. Um, some other things that may have been sort of occurring, a couple of things in the practice yeah, Fiona, that you've been popping in as of late? Look, we always see a lot of – oh, no, I just talked about dental disease a few weeks ago. What else do I need to talk about, Mark? Uh, well, we're talking about um, things that get caught in your dog's feet. Oh, I think yes, you, yeah, you yeah. You were chatting about that before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if, if your dog gets a little lump between the toes, often what draws attention to owners that that's happening is the dog's licking a lot between its toes. So you may not, as an owner, notice anything. You may notice either the dog licking its foot a lot or limping or being a little bit sore on its foot. Um, and depending on the personality of your dog, they may or may not let you have a good look at it. Um, so if in doubt, a trip to your vet can be can be quite helpful. We'll always examine the whole part of the leg rather than just the foot. Um, and if we do not, because lumps between the toes can sometimes be foreign bodies, um, which is something that shouldn't be in there. So a little grass on or um, is often the culprit. Definitely, depending mm -hmm. on se seasonality, um, but sometimes it can just it can be a little interdigital cyst or a little bit of a skin infection. So um, it can be a number of things. So if in doubt, always a good idea to get it checked out. Uh, and we can advise you on the right way to treat it. As we continue with Pet Chat, Dr Fiona is here, as is Cheryl Shaw. G'day, Leslie in Morpeth. Uh, your Norfolk Terrier is marking his territory all the time and he's been to sex. What's happening, Leslie? All the time, and I don't know what's happening. I am the 
brave owner of two terriers. I have a Westie <laughs> who's a female, and the Norfolk Terrier, and they're both the same age. There's about six weeks between them. They're five years old. He, I look at this sometimes and I think he's, he's very anxious, but then at other days he doesn't do it, maybe weeks on end, and then all of a sudden again he starts. So, Leslie, how long has he been doing it for? Um, all his life. So it's ha- it hasn't gotten better or worse. It's no, sort of been it's consistent. And the, the strange thing is that it's not every day and it might go weeks. And then all of a sudden we'll start this nonsense again. And I've tried every spray known to man. I've tried walking him outside five times every hour and saying, come on, do it now. And he'll always oblige, mind you. But and he's still doing this territory marking. Is How old was he when he was de-sexed, Leslie? Um, probably four months old. Okay. And is it is he marking inside the house or is it only yeah. outside? No, inside the house. Ah, okay. All right. And it's in two places. On the front of the dryer, the clothes dryer, and the front of a fridge. Are they his favourite spots, are they? Yeah, but they, they are his two favourite spots. Now, I think there's been one or two others that I've actually caught him in the act. Okay. Quickly run outside and he'll go. Um... And I, but I honestly have tried everything, and I've had dogs all my life, and I'm very patient. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's on the days that he and his Westie um, have the terrier really coming to the surface and will run around like lunatics. <laughs> yeah, look, what I would say, Leslie, first of all, and you may have already tried this, but a suggestion nonetheless, with a, whatever cleaning product you're using, making sure it's got um, an enzyme component to it to really break down that urine smell. Even if we can't smell it, the dogs can. Um, so there are certain products. Um, I know I've seen them at some of the big pet shops. So uh, certainly that would be the product that I would want you to clean and clean it as I'm sure you have been, really, really well. Yes. The yes. Uh, the other suggestion would be is I don't actually think we're dealing with a hormone problem here. We're dealing with a behaviour problem. Um, behaviour. Yeah. And if, if – have you been able to determine what you think is a, uh, is a catalyst for the behaviour? Um, I think, to be really honest, if I – if I'm very busy and, I mean, my husband works from home and I sit at the desk quite a bit, if he gets a bit sick and tired of me sitting at the desk, I think that might be the day when he does. Yeah. Um, he never does it on a day that I'm doing the housework or, you know, using the vacuum or none of that. And I think sometimes it might be when he and his sex female girlfriend, the other terrier, have um, sort of worn themselves out a bit. I'm not sure about that one, though. Yeah, okay. Look, uh, um, over the phone, it can be quite difficult to give the in-depth advice, obviously, Leslie, that I could. But what I would be suggesting is, A, use your enzymatic cleaner really, really well. And the other thing is if you can anticipate when you think it might be happening, maybe just give them some outside time and that gives you a moment to reset and do what you need to do and then you can give them the time that they need. Okay, best of luck, Leslie. Last one for today. G'day, Anne at Maitland. Your 16-year-old Staffy Cross has had some changes with its sleeping behaviour, Anne. It certainly has. <laughs> Tell us more, Anne. Um, well, Gracie comes inside and then when we go to bed, she goes to sleep in the storeroom opposite our main bedroom. Yeah. And normally that's fine. But for the last year, just 
out of the blue every so often. She just seems to be stressed in this. She's panting and panting that loudly. She wakes me. And okay. with the panting, there's sort of drooly, drool happening on the floor and um, knocking the door and scratching and things. And nothing's happened through the night that we know of. And yeah, I, I just okay. don't know what's happening with has, her. Has a vet given her a physical exam by any chance or done any blood tests or anything, Anne? No, no, we haven't done that. Otherwise, she seems very healthy. Okay, all right. Uh, first things first. I would recommend a health check just in case there are some underlying problems that the vet picks up. And the benefit of blood tests is um, blood tests are sort of screening for organ dysfunction. There are different types of endocrine diseases that can go on. But I think more than likely you've got an element of dementia creeping in. Um, Older dogs and older cats, for that matter, do develop, we don't call it dementia, but they certainly develop signs of dementia. Um, And what you're describing is fairly classical for that sort of thing. So there are lots of things that we can try, medications and supplements and diets that hopefully will, um, will help her. Okay, I would imagine first thing though, Fiona, for Anne is a trip off to the vet to make sure that to tick all those other boxes. Oh, too. absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, with a sixteen-year-old dog, there couldn't be a lot of underlying issues mm. that we need to check for um, before. Uh, we would give any further advice. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it. We've uh, hit the uh, full-time mark. So uh, <laughs> thank you, ladies. Dr. Fiona, you're, you're away from us for a few weeks now, I believe. I do. Looks like it's um, David and Kimberly's for a while. All right. We'll look, look forward to them uh, back with us. And Cheryl Shaw, you can put your cone of shame back on and walk back out <laughs> into society. <laughs> no worries, Mark. Thank you. All right. Thank you, ladies. That's Pet Chat uh, done and run for the day. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.